welcome to the Impossible Things Podcast, where the greatest minds in the universe answer the world's toughest questions. And until they show up, uh, we'll be talking about the same questions. Uh, I'm Jimmy, and with me today is Kyle. Hello. And Jesse. Hi. And today we'll be talking about who wants to live forever and living forever in general. So Jesse, I take it this is impossible. It depends on your definition of living forever. Okay. But in some, yes. The, I think if you're going to go with the definition that your body will stay alive and you'll just continue living in your current state forever, yes, that's, that's completely and utterly impossible for obvious reasons. So we should probably move on to the next definition. <laughs> <laughs> which, which would be what then? then preserving the mind forever? Or preserving yeah, I think something brain. like we talked about last week, uh, downloading your brain into a computer and transferring your consciousness, which mm-hmm. we, we've established. <laughs> not super likely either but some form of of that of your body not since your body's not going to last forever right you know how how could you perpetuate your consciousness in a different way and there's that seems much more likely um but if you're going to go with the legacy you know the legacy side of things Mm. how can i make my legacy live forever and, and live forever in a in a more kind of you know not physical way but my ideas or my contributions could i live forever that way and that's i mean that is that is living forever your legacy going on forever would be so like with somebody like alexander the great be considered someone who lives forever because we know of his name and he's he's how many what is he a thousand years old now yeah sure something like that no he's one thousand two two three more and more and more he was pre-Greece, pre-Greek Golden Age. What? Oh, was he was he the king of Macedonia? Uh-huh. Is that who he was? Uh-huh. Oh, so that was before Greece was even really formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So We're you had to guess gonna, what year was that? Thirty-five thousand, thirty thirty-five hundred years ago, four thousand years ago, something like that. I don't know the exact year, but a long time ago. Well, funny enough. 323 BC. Uh, quick math. 20, 25, 2500 years ago. Ish. Ish. 2300. Sure. 2400. Okay, so I was about a thousand years off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give or take. Meh. Thousand years. 2300 years. 2500 <laughs> years. It's kind of insane to think about that someone's legacy can last that long. 2500 20, years. Yeah, but years. what do we still have from his legacy? Yeah, that he was just, undefeated so and so and then he he conquered the world and died at 29. Did he turn did he die on his 30th birthday? 32. I thought I read 32 recently. What story of his death did you hear? Because that's something that I always get confused about. Because I, I have heard it a different way, and then someone told me a, I don't know. a different story. Actually, I don't I don't know. The story I've heard, and I've never actually looked it up, the, the story I've heard is that uh, uh, he once he conquered his last battle or whatever, and he won, he was bored, and so he got really drunk and was celebrating, and then walked out into the forest and then died of uh, hypothermia. Is that... Is that right? When you get really cold? Yep. And just died. And just froze to death. And that was, that was what happened to mm. him. That was his legacy. So he said, who wants to live forever? <laughs> Not <laughs> I. <laughs> Not me. Well, done it all. Ironically, the, person, the one person we're talking about living forever <laughs> said it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've done all I can do. I'm out. So is that, but I mean, let's, let's talk about who that, I mean, let's take the question seriously. Who wants to live forever? Do you get to a point, obviously none of us are at this point, but do you get to a point where you say, I've done enough. I've lived long enough. It's time for me to peace out and, or whatever's next. I've always really loved that mentality in general. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I've, I've done everything I was, I intended to do. Like, uh, I don't, have you seen, it's a, it's a children's movie, but I love, I really love this mentality. But, uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, did mm-hmm. you see that movie? Oh yeah, I did. And I, I love, I love it when Dustin Hoffman's character says, I bought enough shoes to last me the rest of my life and I'm on my last pair. It's like that. It's just so matter of fact that yeah. I've, I've done everything I intended to do in my life and now I'm done. Mm-hmm. And he's just so at peace with that. Uh, and it, it's funny because I was listening to a podcast that was very similar in nature to that mentality. It, it was about suicide and it was about is suicide and a logical conclusion is that if you, it, I mean, depending on your reasoning, I'm sure, but if your, if your conclusion was, Hey, I've, I'm done. I, I don't, I no longer want to live because I'm done. Mm-hmm. Then would suicide be illogical or is it just you, you know, are you referencing the Freakonomics? Freakonomics podcast yes. again. Such a good podcast. It is. It's a very yeah. good one. The guys it's, really it's, I mean, it's it's very it's very abstract thinking on most topics that are people don't want to mm-hmm. talk about. It's a different way. I think it, my problem with the Freakonomics podcast is it's so heartless a lot of times. Well, but economics is is heartless. There's mm-hmm. no emotion in numbers. It's it's facts and figures, and that's right. It. And it's I, I appreciate that it's a different perspective, but. It's just so has no soul. It's completely stark, mm-hmm. and that's well, it's part of what I appreciate about it is that I, I've always, and I've been told frequently, and I keep telling my wife this is that I, I have an unfortunate skill of being able to emotionally detach fairly easy, and it's it's not good because it gets me into a lot of trouble. But at the same time, I I, I feel, mm-hmm. ironically, feel rather protected by it, and I don't have to anyway. That's whatever. Yeah. If you read the Art of War, it means you're a, a natural born warrior. So you've read this. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's going to overthrow Jesse and I. We're going to I've die. I've also read The Art of War. Uh, I will I'm, not be uh, overthrown. I'm, get, <laughs> I'm going to get overthrown. <laughs> I'm going to get overthrown and I'm that's going a to really, die. That's a really good... I think everyone should read that book. That book is... It's pretty fantastic. It's, it's pretty great. And it's not just about war. I mean, it's all, it's all about war, yeah. but it's all about yeah. life, we too. We have a business edition. It's The Art of War and Business. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very applicable, which is why it's so lasting. And that's older than Alexander. So it is. Sun Tzu. You're right. mm-hmm. Maybe a more lasting legacy. I mean, that's. Did Alexander write anything? I don't think he wrote anything. No. No. He was just. He just became a uh, otter pop. Alexander the Great. <laughs> uh, where's oh, our sound a, effect for it? A, where's the sad <laughs> trombone? <laughs> what a terrible. <laughs> what a pun. What, what if you became like a super like if Ky- Kyle your legacy went on and you you I don't know what you maybe you became the next Alexander Great and you took over a bunch of stuff and then later like thousands of years go by and then you become like Kyle Cole and then you're just a charcoal for like a barbecue <laughs> like that's your <laughs> <laughs> well it's like there's a comedian that does a whole a whole thing about dog food and there's Caesar's dog food and he goes how great is that <laughs> the Roman <laughs> emperor is feeding, and it's not even for big dogs; it's for little dogs. <laughs> like, what does that tell you about his personality? It's, uh, it's very funny comedy. Well, how would you like to have the Napoleon complex named after you? Oh, right, yeah, mm-hmm. an that's, entire mental that's, disorder. <laughs> that's pretty flattering. Well, there's plenty of diseases named after the people who contracted them popular popularly first. Contracted that's tragic. Or, or discovered. 
I don't. I don't. That's I don't different. think uh, Lou Gehrig's disease was discovered by Lou Gehrig. Ah, true. He was just the first to contract it. That was popular, right. I think, right. and we had no name for it. And so, being the people that we are, the morbid people that we are, we name it after the person who got mm. it first. I it's think. memorable. And if that's the point of a moniker, then I suppose so. Um, so the question is, though, is living forever? How long are people living now? So now the life expectancy for people, a male in the United States is 75 years. Mm. For a woman, it's 80 years. Yeah. You don't think that that's grown? Because, like, I mean, my grandparents lived into their 70s. My, one of my wife's, my wife's grandmother's still alive, and she's in her 80s. Well, this is average, and I think they're, they're probably taking into account babies that die or kids that die. Uh, yeah, sure, but I mean... And that's going to skew your average. But as far as, like, age longevity, uh, there's actually there's a guy who has been funded to research this. Uh, I, actually, a guy very close to us from UC Riverside. He's a philosopher, which I think is very funny that that's who's funded. Huh. But uh, John Martin Fisher was paid $5 million to study immortality. Wow. Uh, but he said, uh, he said in, this was in May of 2012, he said, uh, oh, no, it was May of this year. Sorry, May of 2013. He announced that nearly half the money that he has... So $2.5 million would be going to 10 scientific research teams from the U.S. and Europe. Uh, and then, of course, an insurance company uh, launched an ad campaign based off of his prediction of he thinks that there's a person alive today that will live to be 150. And so I thought that was an interesting... Who is it? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he thinks the person who's going to live to be 150 is like in their 40s right now. Huh. But what I think is funny about that is like it's like, okay, well... How long have people lived verifiably right. in the most recent past? And so there's a list from the ever-so-present Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the oldest living person as of today, because Wikipedia gets updated on its own. It's fantastic. Uh, but <laughs> by the, the old, gnomes. By, yes. <laughs> the Wikipedia gnomes. <laughs> Isn't that the travel-osity gnomes? I don't know. Anyway. What a great ad campaign. I mean, there's not right. a whole... I remember who it is. The uh, the oldest living person alive today is 115 years old and 193 days. Uh, 115. 115. He is in Japan. His name is Masao Okawa, I believe is how you pronounce oh, that. Yeah. You you just butchered that. I probably did. I'm American. It's fine. <laughs> People expect it. But he, he probably, was he, probably he was just... born uh, he was born in 1898. 18. 1898 that man has seen that man has seen with the only thing i want to see which is two centuries lapse i want i want to i want to confuse the future generation when i say back in the turn of the century and i'm talking about 99 to 2000 and they think i'm talking about 2099 to 2100 i would really love that 1898 Um, he's not even the oldest person that's lived though in the verifiable past uh this french woman named uh I suppose it's Jean or Jeanne uh, Calmont. She died in 1997. She was born in 1875. She was 122 years old and 164 days. Jimmy, you ready for more coffee? No, if I take any more, I'll explode. It will lower your life expectancy. <laughs> I'll take some that. It's cool. <laughs> you give me a little bit more. I'll top up. But uh, it, it's funny because of the it, it, to to thank you. validate to validate Jesse's uh, no thank you. To validate, he was offering me coffee because you guys can't <laughs> see that. Uh, to validate Jesse's research that women have a longer life expectancy, the uh, the top eight names on this list of 100 verified oldest people are women. The mm-hmm. oldest living man was 116 years and 54 days, also from Japan. So Jesse or Jimmy, 
Do you think that the fact that the two oldest men, or two of the three oldest, uh, actually, two of the three oldest people in uh, in this list that we were talking about at least are from Japan? As scratch that, three of them are from Japan. A lot of them are from the U.S., but three of them are from Japan. Any opinion on that the fact that they're the oldest living person today is in japan the japanese are better than us that's probably true it's probably because they make better cars that's probably it we made better cars i have a joke i'm gonna keep to myself (laughs) Uh, they they eat better yeah they do there's i mean their their diet is primarily fish there's lots of oils living for a long time omega-3 has anything to do with it i mean it's got i mean you if your brain is functioning at a at a higher rate for a longer period of time, it would yeah. be it would have the ability to heal your body faster, wouldn't it? That is, I think there's something to that. I mean, there's all kinds of research about people that do crossword puzzles every day and mm-hmm. how how active they remain. So once your brain starts deteriorating, I feel like you have less impetus to exercise your body. And mm-hmm. if your body's going down the tubes and you can't support your brain anymore, and then there you go, the whole being is dismantled. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, so they, one of the people in this other article, I should say this is on the Daily Beast from, uh, from July 24th of this year, is uh, the, the title of the article is, You Can Live Forever, Is Immortality Plausible or Is It Quack Science? Which is essentially what we're asking right. uh, in the, the cheekiest of ways using a queen reference. <laughs> um, but the two men in this article, there's uh, Aubrey de Grey and, uh, oh, what's the other guy's name? Hang on, I'll get there. Uh, I'll, I'll find his name eventually, but uh, the other guy's last name is Bortz, but they keep only referring to him as such. And is this I, the is this the pho- the philosopher that was paid? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. The philosopher's name is John Martin Fisher, um, but I cannot find Bortz's first name in this article. I'm sure I'll get there. Walter Bortz. There we go. Walter Bortz. So Walter Bortz and Aubrey de Grey. Apparently, both have very different sides of the living forever. One's very technical, and one's very philosophical. Do you see Aubrey de Grey's full name? No. Aubrey David Nicholas Jasper de Grey. Oh, dear. I'm glad you looked him up. But uh, it's really funny because there's a great pull quote in here from de Grey uh, when he's talking about... uh, He's he's talking about his opinions, which is funny because it really flies in the face of everything... Jesse usually says, which is he usually just says things are impossible, but because they are. Aubrey de Grey admits admits this and says, "I say people who are alive today are going to be able to live indefinitely because this technology is foreseeable, and people respond that there's no scientific evidence available for that." Bah. And he says, "Well, of course, effing not," which is a direct quote. It's technology; it's not science. Technology isn't like that. You have to make these leaps of faith, but you also have to have some idea of how realistic those leaps of faith are. And you have to say say so, or else no one's going to be interested, no one's going to be enthusiastic, and no one's going to pay for the research to get there. Hmm. Which is funny, because it kind of ties into a lot of, at least a lot of the ideas I've referenced about Star Trek has really pushed technology, and it's because Star Trek has presented an idea hmm. that is plausible, mm-hmm. and people have gotten behind it, they've gotten excited about it, enthusiastic in his words, there's and a, somebody's funded the research for it. There's a good representation you can actually envision. You can see a purpose for the solution, and that's what because technology to me is solution based. They talk about living forever in Star Trek, I think. They, I think they do. Of course, isn't they it, do. There's a there's an episode. Oh, I may. This has been a while. I'm sure I'm paraphrasing this quite a bit. 
it's I'm gonna butcher it. I think they discovered that there was one guy on Earth, he may have been an alien or something, that lived forever and he was he was Da Vinci and he was like he was all those people. Like he was Da Vinci and he was also Edison or Tesla and he was also like all these other people. He just, just one or the other, not both. Yeah, yeah, he was he was Edison or he was one of the two. <laughs> Like he the, was the a, two cannot coexist. They no. uh, they constantly make reference to Khan living forever, don't they? Because Khan doesn't die in the uh, original Star Trek series, I don't believe. No, no, because he comes back in Wrath of Khan. Well, Genghis and then Khan. he doesn't die at the end of Wrath of Khan either. I I, I think Khan lives forever. I know he's, he lives. He's, uh, he lives. He's a genetic. He's scientifically superhuman. mutated. Yeah. Yes. I'm uh, I'm he's researching smarter. to see who. I. It's funny. It. I think there's a Star Trek movie called To Live Forever, is it not? That might be it. I mean, that there, might... There's a Star Trek Generations To Live Forever, which would have had uh, both Captain Picard and Captain Kirk in it, because that's what those did. I, anyway, we don't need to geek out about Star Trek. My point was is that Star Trek really drives ideas and purposes yeah. behind them. Yeah. And so it gets, it gets the public enthusiastic about, you know, funding, funding tricorders. Which is happening right now. Yeah. It is happening. Elon Musk's, one of his ventures wow, is... Wow, that guy comes up every... He really episode. does. His, his uh, Jimmy and I have talked about this quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, offline, and it's been that uh, there's a foundation driving a lot of seemingly impossible things. They find funding for it, and they award a prize to the best concept. Mm-hmm. Things like quick oil cleanup and the tricorder or the tricorder. space travel. Tricorder is the medical one, right? The yeah, the, diag- the the medical diagnostic tool that can easily detect uh, certain abnormalities that are common. There was another one. What was the other one this year? Intrusively, something about wireless technology. But it's yeah, the the organization is called the I think it's called the X Prize. The X Prize, that and is they, it. Yes, the X Prize. They they do some cool stuff. Like they, and there's a the kid who's who's ahead right now is like 16 years old and he's from like Switzerland or something. He's the he's the kid that's developing the tricorder. Him and his team of high school. Well, uh, that's that's what's, kids. That, that's what's funny is like, did you hear about the high school girl for a science project who made a battery that can last for like, I forget what it was, like twenty four hours. Cell phone battery lasts twenty four hours and charges in like five minutes. Do you hear wow, about that? No, oh, I didn't hear about that. She's like sixteen or something like that. Those those might be skewed numbers, but it is that dramatic. Um, but e- even even still, these are the. I mean, dr- driving the point that I've been listening to constantly for for uh, at least a year now of the, the the freakonomics guys is that the reason this technology is pushed so much is because there's economic uh uh what do they call it there's economic benefits uh influencing people to to make this technology and so that's what the xprize foundation is very very interesting but qualcomm for instance the company qualcomm that makes uh, cellular phone processing mm-hmm. chips and communications chips they're the ones funding the tricorder they're mm-hmm. the company that's funding it or uh, it looks like Nokia is Nokia is doing one. Google Google did the Lunar Project, which was the um, Project Loon. Project Power. Loon, I believe. Oh, is I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, but it's it's just funny because there's there's a lot of uh, do it. It's just a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things that the X Prize Foundation is really pushing, and uh, and I think that why why couldn't they they uh, live, you know, why couldn't you live forever if if somebody was driving it? Somebody somebody will develop some form of it, because like the 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 parties we were talking about initially, DeGray and and um, uh, what's his name? Was I it lost it again? Months, months. 
Mortz? Mortz? I don't know. I forget. Walter Mortz? Walter something. Hang on. Back to Bortz. Bortz. Walter Bortz. Oh, goodness gracious. Your tiredness is rubbing off on me. Sorry. (laughs) But they, uh, you know, they're they're talking about, like, isolating aging diseases and and trying to cure the diseases. Mm Mm-hmm. One of Aging which would be d- diseases that age you? No, uh, diseases that are related to old age, mm. like Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Stuff mm. that reduce your your brain function, which you know reduces your your natural healing process of your body and stuff like that. Looks like that's where they're starting, at least. Um, which is an interesting. I think that's an interesting take on that. Is that if you were to cure all the all the all if you were to cure or find ways to slow etc. Diseases that are related to old age. Could you? help somebody live forever that way like is it a medical technology is this just a i mean is it what we were talking about in the last episode where where you truly just download some we find some way to simulate emotion your emotion specifically mm-hmm. and your soul in in a computer and you're, and is that living forever yeah I, I don't know i don't think so but i mean it's all based on perspective maybe not to the outside it looks like you're living or you're well, it's, so it's your theory about uh, you know time travel is possible, but it's like cheating. The, that that yeah. I would say that's like cheating. Like downloading yourself into a computer, as appealing as that would be, uh, is cheating. It, I, I would, think it's cheating. I would say that's we're talking that's about your physical rules. body that you were birthed into the world with, like mm-hmm. living forever, which I don't think it's designed to do personally. But no, I feel like there's a lot of ways to delay death, but I don't think there's any way to to cure the inevitable. Well, I mean, we are a we are a, an organic machine. So if you look at it as a machine, when we were we were kind of talking about it before we started recording was if you could perfect cloning, if you can which they actually have a term for it, it's called therapeutic cloning. If you can if you can uh perfect cloning your personal organs every 5 years or so, you can just go to the doctor and go, "Well, it's time for me to get a new spleen." And you get a new spleen. Like, oh, well, my knees are bad. Instead of getting waiting for a knee transplant, you get your identical knees from when you were 20 or whatever put back into you. So you're kind of thinking more like a car. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just, oh, the, the tires are bald. Time for new feet. Yep. And then you but just you can't make a car last forever that way. Eventually, it's it's not economically feasible to no, continue it's, fixing your car. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's my argument for anybody who says something is impossible. I mean, at least I'm going to reference specifics here is that at work, when I get asked and I get asked frequently, hey, is this possible? I always say, absolutely. Do you have enough time and money? Because I think it is. Like, you could restore a 1910 Model T or whatever it is mm-hmm. if you had enough money. Like, or, you know, because you could, you could go back and reforge the, the chassis of a, of a Model T, I think. But would it still be the same car? Well, that's the thing. Is mm-hmm. like, where at what point do you say, "Hey, you've been replaced"? Like, at what point do you become the bionic man? Even if it's stuff that's cloned, it's like, not no original parts here. Like that. Yeah, yes, genetically, they're still your parts. They were grown from your organic material, but are you your own child then? <laughs> I mean, like, because that's kind oh, of the that's same idea. Weird. Yeah, I am my own father. <laughs> Talk about the mental disorders you could have by thinking about that for too long. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's. I, I, I see your point. I think that's valid. I think that's absolutely valid. If you replaced it, the skeleton uh, like out of somebody, their consciousness is still the same. Like you're just you're having second life, but it's synthesized. Well, that's, I think it's different. I mean, the, the car example is one thing where the the new parts have nothing to do with the old parts, and that in other than by design, right? Other than that, they're the same size and shape. 
and material. Uh, but what? But if you're if you're growing new organs from your own genetic material, and that's that kind of is your body in a way. I think it would be a cleaner surgery too. You're probably you, I don't know if your body would reject it or not. I yeah, imagine I imagine it wouldn't. I mean, we're guessing just, though. We don't really know because no. like have, have has anybody put reorganically like grown material from a person back into a person yet has that it's, happened it's too inefficient from what i've seen so far it, the the cloning process to clone individual organs is too we don't know enough about dna and like we can't look into the blueprint and pick out a part and then clone that we yeah, don't understand enough requires stem cells which is controversial yeah and why just that just so we can have the discussion openly on our podcast what is so controversial about stem cells uh, I've always thought it was the the way in which they are obtained from a fetus that who has been terminated. Ah. So but, just just the relation to to abortion seems mm-hmm. to be where the where the rub is. But but there's there's no other way to get stem cells, is there? I I think there is. I. Hmm. Is it an umbilical cord? You I can use them. That's the most recent thing that I've heard, and that's probably old already. But well, and that's. Did you invest in it when your daughter was born? Oh, to, to bank those cells? Yes. No, I didn't. We did. I hope you don't need them. I, I hope, hope I, I don't, don't need them. I hope I don't need them either, but it's funny because so my... the, the They sure the, scare you, though. They sure scare you into well, it. We, That's the, probably we, the reason I didn't We did it, it because it's insurance on multiple people, if you think about it. Because what yeah, they, they tell they, you is that my... So I don't know what you know about it, Jimmy, because I didn't know much bit. about it until we researched it. But basically, they harvest... Uh, umbilical cord material, right? It's the, it's the, the cord blood. The cord blood, which is, is supposedly like the super blood, essentially. I mean, like that's. I think that's the best description for it, is because it's like sure. really, really saturated as far as like perfection wise mm-hmm. of of blood cells. Well, it's the nutrients that's helping your baby grow. Correct in utero, which is what I I would think stem like it's essentially stem cells is what 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 it is. You're just not harvesting them as far as I understand it from the source. You're getting them from the from the, the the thing attached to the source, which would be the umbilical cord, but what it what it is is that I kind of don't want to say his name. So if my son, if my son uh, was ever to get cancer, they could do stem cell recovery using that cord blood. The mm-hmm. funny thing about it is that if I got cancer, they could use that same blood because mm. my genetic materials in there, so is my wife's. And so it's very funny because it's like. It, is that technology going to get de- developed more that it's like, okay, so my, that technology didn't exist when I was born. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a way to harvest that. They didn't even know the reasons why you would harvest it, but now they do. So we're retroactively going back to, to help cure diseases that mm-hmm. I potentially could get in my life. I think that's very interesting. Uh, the most recent thing I read about stem cells is that they were, they're looking to develop uh, for amputees. It's a yeah. lot of people ask like, well, why like lizards have that genetic uh, blueprint to where when they get their tail ripped off, they regrow a perfect new tail. Right. Humans don't have that, so in using uh, uh, genetic modification and uh, and stem cells, they they believe that in the next fifty to a hundred years, they actually can just program the brain and program the genetics to just grow another arm, and that's a way of solving amputees. Is you just would you get your arm lopped off? You give them stem cells, something to build off of, probably a lot of protein, and then you grow grow another arm. That'd be super cool. I can see that because your brain still thinks it's there mm-hmm. for a long time. 
your yeah. brain has a hard time if not forever figuring I mean, it out really depends yeah. on you conditioning yourself is from from what i know i don't uh-huh. know many amputees but the the research i've read uh-huh. obscurely you too. says you'll have to you have to condition yourself out of believing your arm is there subconsciously a lot of them say they can still wiggle their toes right they and, can, that, and that's the thing you just feet. have to you, you know, you have to train your brain to know that you don't have toes. Mm-hmm. How long would it take to regrow a, an organ as large as an arm or a leg or two legs? I mean, it, t- it took nine months to make, make one that's mm-hmm. this big. <laughs> yeah, true. And would you have to stay off of it? You know, don't use it. Don't walk on it. Don't those. use your baby leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's interesting. Can't support your 200-pound frame yet. Uh, it's a nine months old leg. Yeah, even when you even when you do get it back full grown, it's like it. All right, now physical therapy and oh, yeah. train it up and could be years, but still, I'd rather do that than. Yeah, live I would too. And what if you what if you got a like this this also could get controversial, but what if you what if you got it so precise to where that became like a flu shot when you were five? It's like this is now the the genetic material you need to. And if you ever get anything logged right. off, you can just heal it right away. Yeah. Would you, and you would start the process. Would you essentially, essentially classify that as downloading DNA? Uh, I guess, yeah, in an organic fashion. Hmm. I, guess that's, I mean, I like in a completely analog form, I would say that that's downloading to some degree. I'm, maybe I'm being I think a bit technical. With I feel the, like there's a term for it when it's applied to genetics, but I can't think of it. There's a, a business book that I really like. And one of the quotes in there was like, it's all about starting your own business. And one of the things in there is like, do you think that one of the reasons why you haven't built your business is because you're not smart enough to have one? Well, guess what? You can teach an entire college course as long as you read one chapter ahead of what you're teaching. You can do the same thing in business. You just have to know more than what your customer knows. Slightly. So so if you market strictly to stupid people, you don't have to be very smart. I know a lot of companies like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't buy from them often. You're one step ahead of them. Yeah, right. Then there are those other ones where it's like, man, that's a brilliant marketing routine. You've totally gotten me to buy this for years. I, I think I sent you the article, the Target yeah, article. The Target thing. Oh, Ooh. dude, that's unreal. Imagine if you live forever, how much smarter of a marketer you'd be. Well, you would you you would have seen the the, the rise and fall and trend. <laughs> Saw each that time. coming a mile away. That's I saw, what I Target that. did back in 09. <laughs> I've seen that. I saw that 100 years ago. <laughs> I remember when Napoleon tried that. Oh, man. Can you think about that? So listen, think about that guy. Or not guy. It's a woman. I'm sorry. Oh, the, the 18, Japanese woman who's still alive. From, from 1898, what has she seen? World War One, World War II, uh, the, the uh, very dramatic earthquake and tsunami in in Japan recently, like she has seen, and the the technological advances. I mean, they were probably she's seen the culture change. Horse and buggy. I mean, they're very. I don't know what they had in Japan, but in 1898 here, we had we had horseless carriages, and that's how close we still were to horse drawn carriages, which would have been the norm. Well, I mean, uh, just the, a carriage. Think was think about J- Japan's rise to the Western Western civilization, like the how fast that was. Yeah, from a she's feudal, watched that. Yeah, she she's been in the the seemingly archaic traditional Japanese mindset to now. How interesting would that be to see that span? Mm-hmm. You're like I've seen a bunch of movies where you know like a character 
lives forever for whatever reason, be it vampire or uh, fountain of youth type situation. They're both really girly movies. I'm not going to admit seeing them, but yeah, you know, I, I've thought about that concept though. It's like, Twilight. What, yeah, my, my wife, <laughs> she's going to say I read them on my own. I didn't. She made me, but I've thought about that in concept. Oh, though. you read them. You actually I read saw them. The, I saw the movies and I read them. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not important right now. You guys are really <laughs> losing focus here. By the way, I, I I'm I'm Let going to no I'm going I'm going to reinforce <laughs> oh, something about uh, about uh, reading here is that it's really hard to know how good a book is till you read a really crappy book series like Twilight. Wow. You can, I appreciate all the good literature I do read so much more after reading that. Or series. you just appreciate mediocre literature because it's better than that. Uh, I'll give you that, but I definitely like I value old literature this a is, lot more. Having read the stupid rantings of a of a, a teenager who can't figure out whether she loves fictitious creature one or two. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make is if I did live forever, what would I do with that time? And I I've decided that uh, working under the assumption that I could very well live to be 120, at least in this guy's prediction, thinking that people are going to live an average average to an average age of 150 i w- i will always want to be doing something because like think about all the things you think you don't have time for it's like well if you have 150 years uh, hell i'm gonna learn the piano and the guitar mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to because uh you probably don't have enough money saved to live that long i'm sure i well, don't and, it, and it's really funny because like if you if you if you talk to like the business community at least the the, the logical honest ones like there, there's a businessman that i follow pretty closely dave ramsey who, who talks about he thinks that a lot of the reason that you see these, you, you see men dying like five years after retirement is because they aren't meant to retire. He doesn't think that people are meant to retire. Maybe slow down, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. or change fields, but you shouldn't ever stop. Like stopping is what he thinks. Stopping is what kills people. That, yeah, like it, not, that. that's not that's not specific. It's very very vague and mm-hmm. over. It's a huge oversight. But my physical therapist said a. Uh, uh, healthy body is an, or an active body is a healthy body. Something I, like that. I agree. And I think mm-hmm. an active mind is a healthy mind. And mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I completely, I'm not saying people shouldn't retire, but when you retire, pick up a hobby or take a part-time job. What have you always wanted to do like that? And that's, that's essentially Dave golf. Ramsey's entire concept is what do you always want? What have you always wanted to do? So, you know, go out and take golf lessons, I guess, or play in a tournament. Who cares? Cause you got the time, but like achieve goals strive for things. And I, I think that's a very, I think that's a very interesting and healthy mentality that could totally, I think, just help society live longer. I really do think that people with a will to live decide to live longer. I think I'll uh, probably end up working at a theme park. I'll probably leave for a long time. (laughs) That's a really good idea. And then I'll probably, and oh, I totally could be an ops guy, just a ride (laughs) operator. I'll just be a greeter for the retire, 65, greeter till I die. Oh, perfect. You're going to work at Walmart? I knew a guy that... uh, one of my as a greeter, not at first job, but one of the jobs on my during the summer between uh, college semesters, mm-hmm. there was a guy who was a receptionist, and the the title company that I was working for, and I was talking to him one day. We were walking to the car, and he, I was asking him what he did before. How long have you been a receptionist? That kind of that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. it was kind of baffling to me. Why does this older guy want to be a receptionist? It seemed kind of odd, but uh, he was the CEO of a bank. And he didn't like that anymore. So he retired and he, he went to what he likes, which is interfacing with people. Wow. And, uh, well, and that's what, like, he it, makes like one tenth of the amount that he made, but he's like, but he's happy. Fine. Yeah. 
And he, you know, if you're at retirement age and you, I mean, you're, you're getting like, I, there's somebody that I, I work with that I was on tour with for two months and it was like, and he's an older guy. He's like my a little bit older than my parents. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, how, how did you, how did you end up here? And he said, well, you know, I've, I've always, I've, he's, he's been, he's been at, been at the company that, that, well, we all work together. So he's been at the company we all work at for 25 years, but he's retired. And so, you know, you ask him like, Hey, well, what did you do before? Oh, he was a shop foreman at General Motors in Michigan. Hmm. He's also, uh, he was the warehouse manager for the Salt Lake City Olympics and he's done a lot, but he's all, always worked at this part-time job, which is now his full-time job, but he only does it because he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And what else he does is him and his wife are both retired. They're, they're also Red Cross responders. So when there's floods in the South, That's they go, cool. they wow. fly out there and they just kind of help out. And it's like, I think that they're living to the age they're living at and they're as healthy as they are. Cause I think the only thing he really has that's semi debilitating is gout, but you know, that's, that's manageable for the mm-hmm. most part. But I think he and his wife are so active and on top of it cause they still go camping and hiking and they have goals. They like, they do, they still work. And I think, I think that man is meant to work mm-hmm. in whatever fashion that is. It might be mentally or otherwise, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, ironically, we're talking about life being long, but life is too short to do something you hate. And so, I mean, if you do hate your job and you work at it for 25 years and it's like, man, I just really hate this job, like, fine, finish it off and start another career, but do something. Like, retirement, I think, is – retirement's great. It's a nice break, but I think retirement just enables you to make a make whatever choice you want. Right. And, right. and being that people are uh, allegedly going to live 150 years, working at a company for 25 or 30, even if you hate it, that's not even – a third of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Are we at that point where we talk about literature? Mm-hmm. Are we? Yeah. Is that the, that's, sure. That's fine. Yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. I found a cool list though. Oh, I found cool. a list of all the major events that have happened between 1898 oh, and good. now. Do that. And then we'll, yes. we'll, we'll talk about it. So there's a couple, there's a, there's a ton of stuff for each year and it starts at 1900 because it's a little easier, but like you scroll down a little bit and it's like in 19, 1903 was the first time license plates were issued in the U.S. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, first popular American films in 1904. 1905, Einstein proposes his theory of relativity. This is just so trippy. I mean, are you thinking about what this? What was that, 35? Uh, 05. 1905. This woman, when she was eight years old, mm-hmm. heard Einstein's theory of relativity. Yeah. In theory. In, in that time that... Goodness gracious. You think she heard it? No, probably not. But yeah. I mean, like, but think about it, like, you know, in concept, like, mm-hmm. yeah, she could have. But she learned. That's the crazy thing to me is she learned an entirely different view of the world, right? Than what we now know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, like, adapted. Obviously, she's uh-huh. still alive. But I mean, I mean a lot of these people are in the U.S. and did hear Einstein's theory of relativity. Like, uh, the I mean, second oldest person on this list lived to be 119, died in mm-hmm. 1999, was born in 1880. Can you imagine? Being growing up and going to school and hearing, you know, we, we pretty much almost know everything about the universe and how it works and how everything. Right. And then all of a sudden, when you're, you know, in your teens or 20s, boom. Relativity. Guess what? We found out all this new stuff. And flight. Yeah. Flight. Like these are people who did not, could not wrap their heads around the concept yeah. of a person flying through the air. And now you can make a five hour flight and get across the country. 1908, Ford introduces the Model T. Oh, I was close when I said 1910. Awesome. That usually Let's never see, happens. What else is there? The Boy Scouts were established in 1910. The Mona Lisa was stolen in 1911. For the first time, or the which uh, the time first, was it? It was the first time. The Titanic <laughs> sank in 1912. 
Well, and think about that. So the Titanic sinks and you go, well, people won't be building big boats. And then here we have these massive ocean mm-hmm. liners that are three, four, five times the size of the Titanic. It's just so trippy to think about these things that you were thinking are absolutes in your life. Like, ah, in my lifetime, that's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. And then Maybe. people just start flying. World War One, <laughs> the Spanish flu. I'll believe that when people fly. Is that what they used to say? <laughs> holy cow, the bubonic plague in India. Yeah, holy cow in indeed. The US. Holy cow indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that actually was almost funny. <laughs> That's because you're really tired. <laughs> still. Yeah, after still, a week. After a week, I am still exhausted. Babe Ruth, bubblegum was invented, penicillin oh, was discovered. Oh, there's a big one. What, bubblegum? Bubble yeah, man. <laughs> Imagine growing up without bubblegum. What would get stuck in your hair? What would you swallow and be worried about for 14 years? <laughs> oh, gosh. Gandhi. Gandhi Salt March. Mm. Man, this is just so trippy. Think about in 100 years what you would see, yeah. the, especially this 100-year period. Like, Yeah, serious. I mean, you've gone through like the, the industrial age, the industrial revolution, the information age. Man, so trippy. God, the 60s. Cannot the wrap my head around this at all. This is so weird. The Empire State Building was, was completed in, in 1931, the same year as the U.S. officially gets a national anthem. Dude. And can then, you imagine? Can you imagine that? We're, like, not, no, we're not even World War II yet. How <laughs> much this person see? Yeah, think about that. Like, man, that war was brutal. We'll never have a war like that again in my lifetime. And then, bam, ten years later. <laughs> ten, and then no. five, five years later. When was it? Twenty. Twenty. Twenty something. I was way off. Go. So it was nineteen nineteen. Was the end of World War One? Nineteen thirty-two. Nineteen. Well, I think it was forty. Forty. Oh, nineteen thirty-nine. That was when the war started. Yeah, yeah. yeah we that's didn't, when it started. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get, get involved into it until 1944. That was 42 we got in 41. 41? The day that will live in infamy. That's true. Oh, that's true. Right. April Sorry. something. No, 44 was the end. Yes. My apologies. The, uh, the Hindenburg. All of my history teacher. The, Hinden, the Hindenburg disaster. If you were just a computer, I would have learned more. <laughs> Doubtful. Oh, Jesse. I contend. Your faith in me is so hardening. I'm just saying nothing's going to change from a book to a, I mean, it's the, it's just the medium. That's, the amount that you retain is not going to change. I'll think about the kids I, who ignore movies. Like it, yeah. for us, it was audio tapes and textbooks and now it's movies and the internet. Right. And they ignore that just as They're well. not learning any more than we learned. They're actually learning less. You could make that. I, I, I would make that point because before it's like, well, you need to know that you need to know how to manually do this math because there's not a computer out there that can do it. Now it's like accessible in your pocket all the time. You still need to know how to do, do it. Do we decimal though. system? Anybody know how to use that anymore? No. Why are they? Do, why so. aren't they teaching it? Because you don't need them anymore. Card catalogs don't exist. You never needed it. You just go to ask the librarian, <laughs> who went and went and looked up the Dewey decimal system. <laughs> right. That, which is why I didn't need it. No, but I mean, like even still now, a librarian no, wouldn't need that. It's still categorized. In the library. It's categorized, but not it's using still, the Dewey decimal, and yeah, it's no, searchable. It's still, it's it still, it still uses the Dewey decimal system. What libraries are you two going to? The no, public, the city library. Yeah, Which city all, are you in? They're all still Newport. Newport Beach is organized similarly, but that is not how they look things up. They don't go to a card catalog. Sorry, no. no maybe no, the Dewey to, decimal still exists, but the card catalog system no, is gone. No, absolutely right. right. They, they, but they do <laughs> go to a computer based. The, the card catalog. Use the right term when you make such a forceful <laughs> statement. Yeah, no kidding. Pardon me. The Dewey my, decimal system may still exist. My, my librarian Definitely mother would does. be very upset. Yeah, well, your librarian librarians, man, those people are a trip. I hope they never go out of style. Yeah, I hope they never go out of style. I love librarians. They're great. They're pretty great. 
They're some of the most interesting people, I think, too. They make a lot of money. They do make a lot of money. I had no idea until I met one. You know, at, that, at the library that I go to most, not mine library because it's actually in a different city, uh, but you have to have, there's certain people there that work there that are not librarians and they can't do things that librarians It's like can a medical do. profession. They're, they're not allowed. They can't reorganize they things? Can't, they can't renew a book. Why? I don't know. Huh. So I, I checked out uh, this very lengthy book that I, I wasn't able to read in the two chances that I had to renew it, mm-hmm. which is six weeks. Wow. And uh, so I went back to renew it again. And it, it was the kind of book that nobody, but nobody was going to have on hold. And uh, I asked just one of the workers if I could renew it a third time. Or renew a second time, check out a third time. And he said, yeah, we have to find a librarian. Hmm? What are you doing here? <laughs> Apparently, there's only a few mm-hmm. facilitating the library because they're so expensive. I guess it's like a physician, physician's assistant, probably, or, something or like a that, nurse. You know? a nurse. That guy, that guy yes. was the nurse. The ner- he was the book nurse. <laughs> the I just dry the out the books and repair them. <laughs> I don't check them out. <laughs> a nurse practitioner. Right. They can do a lot. They they can actually pretty much probably mostly doctors. They okay. just don't have the the paper. So, favorite oldest character in any piece of literature or movies? Well, I got a, I have a lot because this. That's, I think that, that's fair. I Absolutely. think immortality comes up a lot, a lot in um, in literature, especially mm-hmm. old the, the kind Greek of stuff mythology. Like, well, the Greek mythology, they just turned into a god, or they're some kind mm-hmm. of god already, mm-hmm. transcending. <clears throat> but I'm talking about um, like the first one that that came to mind when we, the very first time we talked about this topic, which was months ago was a book that I had recently read at the time, which was a picture of Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the story? Uh, it's, clarify, uh, anyway. Roughly. So he, Dorian Gray is this, like, really, he's really popular. He's, he's a really good-looking young guy, and he's just so afraid of getting old that his looks are going to deteriorate. So there's this picture of him that's been painted by a, a friend, and he makes a wish that his that his body will stay young and that the picture will get old. So the picture starts getting old and it, it starts showing the marks of age. And and so he hides it up in this room where no one goes and no one's allowed to go. And, and he stays kind of young and a lot of his friends start getting old. But the end of it is he... I thought it was a really poignant ending. Is he, he takes a knife to the picture and, and in the morning he's found dead with a knife in him, in his face or in his neck or something. Oh, wow. So when he stabbed the picture, he stabbed you know, himself because he just couldn't handle seeing himself anymore. But I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. So that's one way. That's one literature, literary example of living forever. But another, another one that I actually listened to as an audio book was The Mortal Immortal by Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Weirdo. Crazy. Yes. Agreed. So... I was just trying to refresh. I, I looked it up real quick. I was trying to refresh my uh, my knowledge because I, I wasn't sure if I'm getting this, if I was confusing the story with a different story. But uh, the mortal, immortal, he, it's a guy and he's, uh, he works for this scientist and he ends up uh, stealing the this potion that's going to give him eternal life and he takes it. 
and he just he stops aging and he lives forever he outlives his wife and then they have to move and it's all this just this weirdness and and he eventually gets so sick and tired of living forever that he ends it he takes his life and you know because everybody that he knows or loves is gone and it's just pointless for him and i think that to me captured the um the problem with living forever even if it is if it does become scientifically feasible it's you know why why would why do you want to and that's why we were talking about you don't stop you, you retire but you you can't stop doing things investing in new new uh, ideas and, and pursuits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i think eventually how long could you go and keep doing that eventually aren't you just going to be done yeah well, and that's that's what I think. Like like I said earlier in the in the episode, it's where I think like there there's some poeticism. That's a word, right? Mm-hmm. There's some poeticism to uh, to you know Dustin Hoffman's character in Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium saying, "I've done everything I wanted to do," or or my favorite literary old character is uh, is a newer one. It's funny because I actually do consider this a literary work, which usually happens after they die. I think in in my mind, that's how I classify them. But uh, J.K. Rowling's Dumbledore character, he is mm. terrifically old and one day chooses for, for reasons pertinent to the storyline to uh, to no longer live, which huge spoiler for anybody who hasn't read it. But uh, Oh, no. But his was more of a sacrifice. His was a sacrifice. But uh, they re- he references a character in the early on in, the, in that body of work that had created uh, a stone to live forever. Actually, it was the first, the first book. Mm-hmm. Created a stone to to live forever, and in the destruction of that stone, um, uh, Harry Potter asks Dumbledore, "Like, well, what is he going to do? He's going to put his affairs in order, and he's going to he's going to choose to die." It's like that's a, I, I think it's noble. I think it's a noble concept. But on top of it, I think it's I think that's just that's what happens. Like, I mean, yeah, there are certain things that become difficult for you just because of aging and like you know your muscles can't take it and stuff like that. But at the same time. Like, I mean, you, you choose to slow down. I mean, like, you can always do something, I, I think. Like, something stimulative or, or not. Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody makes that choice consciously or subconsciously. But I think when you get older, you become very introspective about how long you want to live. Do you think, how much do you think that has to do with your body deteriorating? I, I think mean, it has, I think it feeds in a lot. So if you had, if you could have this immortal body where you kept on replacing parts, you know, what would that, what effect would that have on you? I think at some point you would still choose to you choose to stop. I think so too. Um, I because I, I mean it, it it happens now because like without that technology existing, you think about think about people with terminally terminal illness and they you know you you make a choice like are you going to choose to do treatment or are you not? And, and sometimes they'll do it two or three times. Or sometimes they'll do it until it's not effective, but still at the same time they'll you know you a lot of the time like the doctors tell you. You know, if you fight this, like you, you have better odds of being successful. But I think basically all that to say, because I'm, I'm really not making a good point with this, but all, all that to say <laughs> is that situation, situationally, that will feed into your decision to stop living, in quotes. Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, if, if, if you have the ability, if you had the ability to live forever, I think that would feed into your choice to live forever. I think at some point, maybe you would just not replace the body parts because maybe you've done everything you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of joy in life. There's also a lot of pain. 
So I think eventually you just would be like, all right. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, have to deal with this anymore, I've, so I'm not I've going seen, to. I've seen enough and I've lived through enough. Uh, I often reference this show, but the Doctor Who is kind of about that at a certain, one of the one of the more recent series he talks about. He's like, I'm, I'm 1,100 years old. I've lost all of my friends and mm-hmm. it seems like it's, it's a very sad kind of life. You live too long. Too old. Like right. Yoda. Too old. Too old to too be in the training. <laughs> I mean, like, he, he, all, all of that. Like, that's, I, I think I think that's the choice. And I mean, it, it, in what Jimmy's referencing in Doctor Who, like, think about that. If you were the only one living forever, like, all the all the people that you value and the, that you love and cared about, they've all they've all ceased to live for a variety of reasons. Would you want to keep going? Like, did is you, there a purpose? Did you see the Wolverine, the newest? I did not. Iteration of, uh, mm that it was a major theme. Hmm. You know, he's been around a while. He was, he was ready. I think in the beginning of the movie, they kind of, they start painting the picture that he was, he's ready. He, yeah. He's, he's about ready to call it quits because there, there's nothing left for him. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets, you know, the movie's about him getting this rejuvenation and a new reason to live and to go on, but it's very much about immortality. And somebody, you know, the the crux of the movie is somebody w- does want to live forever, and so they're trying to get what he has, and just and and at, at first he's like, why not? You know, I'm I'm done. Why not give it give it on? But then, uh, yeah. So it's th- this pops up in the in literature a lot in movies and literature, and it's just I think the main issue that we always come up against is is the very thing that we started the episode by saying: who wants to? What what reason really is there? You know, what is this life? If this life is is taxes and death and sickness, I'll choose death. <laughs> who wants it? <laughs> Cake or death? Cake or death? Ah, you said death first. <laughs> ah, two references to the comedian Eddie Izzard. How great! <laughs> so, uh, Jimmy, what are we talking about next week? Uh, we're talking about the evolution of man. Oh, like the evolution to live forever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> evolution, evolution of man. Kind of interesting. Should be a very interesting topic with far-flung ideas and like like how we like how we can't uh, evolve at all. Yeah, how about that? We don't. We only evolve through technology and culture. Is it, evo- is it evolution or adaptation? Is yeah. it microevolution? What yeah, about yeah. adaption? Adaption. <laughs> I feel like that's a word we talked about last week. <laughs> that was a week ago already. A week yeah, ago. Yeah, it felt like just a few minutes. Time travel, Jesse. Yeah. Time travel. Time tra- it's all. It's all perspective. Change perspective in time travel. Alrighty. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any uh, questions or comments or uh, topic suggestions, please email us at impossiblethingspodcast at gmail dot com or follow us on Twitter at imp thing podcast. I m p t h g podcast. Uh, T-H-N-G. T-H- oh, T-H-N-G. Yep, yeah, yep. That's probably why I couldn't find it the first couple of times. <laughs> what is it again? <laughs> it's uh, I-M-P-T-H-N-G uh, podcast at Twitter. Uh, you also can check us out at our newly newly created website, impossiblethingspodcast.com. That's where we're posting all of our stuff. We're also posting on SoundCloud. And uh, goodbye. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.